everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Financial Channel. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about countries walking away from the U.S. dollar. A lot of you have seen uh, these so-called BRIC countries uh, kind of basically saying that we're tired of the U.S. dollar and we want to get rid of it. And uh, I'm going to give you I'm going to let you guys know what's going on behind that, as well as what the consequences would be if these countries did eventually walk away from the dollar. And then I'm going to conclude by explaining to you that you really don't have anything to worry about. You know, stop listening to people that are telling you the world's coming to an end because it just ain't true. So anyway, get comfortable, buckle up your seatbelt. We're going to get started on the Black Financial Channel right now. Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. That's theblackfinancialchannel.com. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I am your friendly neighborhood finance professor. On the Black Financial Channel, we talk about black wealth and black economics every single day, sometimes as much as 10 times a day under the B1 condition. B1, B1 condition means that we are black first. Black first means we take care of our community. Black first means we don't feel sorry for ourselves. Black first means we educate our kids. Black first means that we prepare for the future. If you agree with this philosophy, if you agree that black people are better off when we prepare <clears throat> than when we just simply react, uh, put a B1 in the chat. If you believe that we are great and extraordinary, we can do anything we put our minds to, put another B1 in the chat. Uh, if you are educating your kids and you want your family to succeed in the next generation, put a B1 in the chat. That's what we're all about. We're all about winning, and I want you to be a winner. So anyway, let's get started here. Shout out the name of your city. Let me know the city you're from. Uh, Max Jerome, Michael Johnson, Orlando Smith, Yolanda Mason, Quentin Adams, Aaron H., Gaming Dad, uh, Nathan Pinkney, I see you, Paul Gordon. Good to see you as well. All right, so uh, all right, so let's see here. All right, so uh, let's see. I think Nathan was asking about some stocks. Please send out. Uh, sign up for excellent stocks to invest in. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? If you want some stocks, Paul, just go to my website, voicewalkins.com. And I've got a list right there on the website of AI stocks that I really like. So feel free to take a look at that. If you're in the stock market investing program, uh, the Black Stock Market Program, I just created a list under what Dr. Boyce is buying. So just go to the Black, T-H-E, the Black Stock Market Program.com. And uh, all that's there. I give my students a list every single week of stocks that I find interesting enough to invest in. All right. So how many of you, give me a yes or no, how many of you heard about uh, countries that have decided that they're just sick of the U.S. dollar, <clears throat> they're going to get uh, rid of it. They're going to walk away. They're going to start doing trade in uh, in other currencies and that the dollar is whack and they're getting rid of the dollar. How many of you heard about this? So, uh, a lot of you were asking me to talk about it. And uh, I was I'm, I'm with my family on a trip, so I didn't have as much time to hit things as much as much as I want to. But uh, but I saw this, too. Right. Uh, a lot of this has been a kind of a conversation that's been going on. Uh, it's an interesting conversation and a delicate conversation because you don't want to assume nothing can go wrong. But the problem is that you have a lot of alarmists. Uh, I want you to pay attention to a lot of the uh, titles of people's commentary and articles and videos. And, and I want you to look at how, much, how, many, how many of these um, titles reflect like fear, how, how many of them are tapping into your, your grave concern that the U.S. economy is going to fall apart and that the dollar is going to be worthless and that the whole world is going to come to an end. Uh, and so, um, you know, um, first off, let, let, me, let me just say this. The U.S. dollar is not dying. 
the U.S. dollar is not dying, you know, and I can just tell you, you know, as a person who I'm not a guy who's just talking. I'm an expert in, in economics. My Ph.D. is in this stuff. So I'm not just a guy who's giving his opinion on the Internet. I'm a person who actually spent well over a decade working on my doctoral studies and master's degrees and all this other stuff. Also, I spent another 20 years teaching college students. Right. So uh, I got my Ph.D. almost exactly 20 years ago, 21 years ago, to be exact. So uh, I'm not sitting here pretending like I know all the answers. I'm not going to pretend like that at all. First thing you learn is how little you actually know. But the second thing that I want to lay out there, though, is I can just tell you as a person who has studied economics in extreme detail for a very long time that the, that most of the research I'm doing says stop being scared. Stop living every day as if this might be the last day that the U.S. economy is in existence or that the dollar is just going to die tomorrow and you got to go fill your basement up with gold and everything else. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy gold. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm going to tell you this. Um, I did actually short some gold. I shorted gold because uh, I believe that the price of gold has been pushed higher because of the fear and the instability. Now, I could be wrong, though. I could be wrong. That's the thing about investing. One, the first thing you learn when you learn about wealth and economics is, is uh, how little you actually know. And a lot of the research that I remember going through, you know, when I was on the faculty at Syracuse University, pretty much said that there's a lot of things you simply cannot predict. Uh, and, and the problem is that people who don't know what they're talking about are going to tell you that things are predictable when they're really not. So effectively... Um, you know, there there is a, a legitimate uh, effort right now. Let me just make this clear. There is a legitimate effort right now by certain countries, particularly what they call the BRIC countries. BRIC countries are, uh, let's see, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, and a few other enemies of the United States are countries that are not in alignment with the United States, where they are seeking and doing all that they can uh, to uh, eliminate the U.S. dollar as the foreign reserve currency. Right. They're, they're trying to dethrone the dollar, as they say. Uh, and so uh, one of the things I want to encourage you to take a look at or or point you to is there's a deep dive analysis done by Charles Schwab on the U.S. dollar. And uh, one of the things that they they mentioned, which I agree with, is, again, I'm not a foreign currency expert, but 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 I did do some research on it. And basically they said that, no, the U.S. dollar is not going to get dethroned. Uh, there are some you know, indications that the value of the dollar has dropped just a little bit. But actually, in the last few years, it's actually gone up because interest rates have gone up. And in addition to that, uh, a lot of countries like China that might claim to be able to replace the U.S. dollar or South Africa, these countries uh, have a few do. They're missing a few factors that are necessary for their currency to be considered as a reserve currency. China has extensive controls on their capital. China controls everything about their economy. Their, their economy is not a free economy. So you can't sort of flow your money back and forth. So I'll give you an example. When I went to China, I taught a, a finance class in China uh, in 2006. And I, I went there and I got paid a boatload of money to teach uh, Chinese students uh, who wanted to learn in English. The best students I ever had. I, I learned a lot about Chinese culture. And I came back and shared that with you guys because they actually practice poweronomics on a really strong level. They work together as a group. And I really wanted Black people to really understand that. And so anyway, um, when I was there, uh, they paid me all this money. And it was funny because the banks in China are not connected uh, that well with the banks in the U.S. Definitely not at that time. So they couldn't pay me with a check. They couldn't just tra wire transfer the money and things like that. The transactions costs were too high and all that. So what they did was they gave me a big old envelope full of money. 
And at that time, you know, the Chinese currency called the renminbi uh, was like eight to one for the U.S. dollar. So the guy hands me this big envelope. It was maybe like, I don't know, let's say I got $10,000 to teach this class. I had $10,000 for 10 days of work and a free trip to China. It was totally awesome. And uh, anyway, so the guy gives me this big fat envelope full of cash. Like I was a drug dealer. You know, I thought I was Pablo Escobar up in there. And my dad's a cop. You know, my dad's a cop and a veteran. And he's so he's always a skeptical. He said, oh, man, he said they setting you up. He said they're going to rob you at the airport. <laughs> they're going to wait till you get a loan. They're going to come back and get that money. And so I, I had to carry around in China the whole time I was there a backpack full of money, which was re re really had me on edge. I couldn't leave it in my hotel room. I wasn't going to leave that money. So it was the funniest thing. But let me tell you what happened when I got to the airport. Well, China had a rule. They have a currency control that says that you can't take more money out of the country than you brought in. You know, so whatever you bring in, you have to show a receipt to show how much you converted when you got there. And you can't reconvert more than what you brought in. So I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? So I'm sitting there at this at the airport speaking to somebody who doesn't know English, trying to explain to them, like, hey, I'm a teacher. I came over here. I taught this class. They gave me this money. This is my money. I could not convert my currency back. I could, I didn't, you know, so so I had all this Chinese money and I, I brought it back and I, I converted it in the United States. I paid a massive transaction cost to convert it back to dollars. But it just, I remember being very frustrated by the fact that the Chinese government controls its capital flows so strongly. Why does that matter in this conversation? Well, part of the reason that people don't want to replace the U.S. dollar with the Chinese yuan as a reserve currency is because the Chinese are a little bit too gangster when it comes to controlling the flow of their money. Uh, you know, on one, it, it's, it's interesting because with, with the United States and China, there is this epic battle going back and forth. I do believe that the ch uh, Chinese government is going to win. The Chinese government are in about year 50 of a 100 year plan for global economic domination. They And they, they're executing their plan perfectly. They're, they're doing things the United States isn't doing, like investing in their children. That's why I've warned you as black people, you got to stop letting these public schools destroy your kids because they're destroying your future. They're destroying your wealth. They're destroying your trillion dollar asset. So when you hear about 55 schools in Chicago that don't have a single child, that, that are full of black kids, by the way, that don't have a single child that can read, write, or do math at grade level, you should be pissed off about that. You should say, what the hell are you doing with my kid? You're taking my child and you're molesting their brain with nonsense, filling it up with emptiness and BS, and they, they can't even read, write, or do math. Well, who's going to help us out when I get older and I can't work anymore? Who's going to come and hold it down in the community? Who's going to protect the wealth and the assets? Stupid kids, uneducated kids, unprepared kids, lazy kids cannot protect your legacy. They will throw your legacy in the damn garbage. So, so China is doing something that is different from what the United States is doing. They are investing heavily in their children. They truly believe the children are the future and they are investing accordingly. They're putting their money where their mouth is. Black people, you need to understand that too. If you don't get it, then you're going to lose, man. You're handing your kids over to these oppressors and they're putting your damn child in a public, in a crappy public school so they can make money for every head that they have in the damn school. They're making money not educating your kids. They're making money to not do the job that they were paid to do. And so your kids are graduating. All they know how to do is twerk and recite Cardi B lyrics and want to become gangster rappers and know nothing about engineering, don't know anything about science, don't know anything about math, don't know anything about business, don't know anything about holding down a community, don't know anything about raising a family, don't know anything any of the functional skills necessary that will allow them to be successful. That's what's happening. That's what they're doing. They're sabotaging you.
It's 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 depressing, honestly. And uh, and the Chinese are like, no, you ain't doing that to our kids. Mm-mm. No, we're not. We're not Negroes. We're not. You're, you're, we're not going to allow you to do that. So you know what China's doing? China is educating the shit out of their kids. They are protecting their kids. They're passing laws. They. I had an investment in a company. I promise we're going to get to the reserve currency thing, but y'all know me. I like to have conversations with you to help you understand what's going on in the world. Um, the world according to Boyce, by the way. So everyone has different opinions. There was a company I had an investment in. My wife and I had this investment in this company in China called Tekadu. Tekadu, some of you that are in my options training uh, program, you understand, you know about this company because I've talked about it in class. And Tekadu was the best investment ever. We were making so much money on Tekadu. I was selling stock options on Tekadu every week. And I kid you not when I say I made hundreds of thousands of dollars selling stock options on this company in China that I'd never heard of. And you know what they did? You know what Tekadu did? Tekadu was, um, they did uh, uh, digital, like online learning or something, right? Where their kids, you know, because so many uh, Chinese people are so interested in educating their kids. They'll do stuff that a lot of us don't normally do. Like they'll put money into um, their kids after school programs, like they'll, they'll spend their last dollar. I'm not talking about everybody, but the smart ones do. They'll put their last dollar to put their kid into an after school program so that he can really get the best education possible. So Tekadu uh, was one of those companies. Well, one day the Tekadu stock, I was so depressed. Tekadu stock price dropped from $31 to three in like a week or like two or three days. I couldn't believe it. It blew my mind. I was so shocked. And what I found out, the reason Tekadu stock dropped by 90% was because the Chinese government decided that the online learning industry was putting too much stress on the children, that it was putting too much pressure on their kids, and that it was not healthy for children. So they literally um, nationalized the entire industry. They shut down almost every single company like Tekadu that was in China and said, no, you, you, can, you can do the online learning, but it has to be regulated and it can't be a for-profit company. And so even though I lost the money, uh, I had a respect for china in the way they protect their kids the united states would never pass a sweeping law that truly protects children y'all's kids can't y'all's kids can't even go to school without wondering if they're gonna get shot that day you got people school shootings happen every week you can't even get the lawmakers to even reconsider whether or not they have too many guns out here they you're more guns than people in the united states i mean guns are cool i'm all for guns i support guns and gun ownership second amendment all that my friend uh, my, my good buddy runs black guns matter uh, out of philadelphia but, you know, it's like, good Lord, you know, like y'all's kids can't, y- your kids ain't, ain't learning nothing and they might get shot. And if they don't get shot by a school shooter, they might get shot on the way home by a gangbanger. Like, really? Like, look at how many little children in Chicago and other cities have been killed on their way home from school. And we're just trying to get home so they can, you know, prepare for their math test. So China is just... Um, extraordinarily good at preparing for the future. That's why I believe they're going to be dominant in the next generation. Where China is weak is they are overly controlling when it comes to the economic systems. So the United States, it's funny, the United States and China both have their, their flaw in terms of being over-controlling. China's over-controlling when it comes to currency flows. That's one of the reasons why it's difficult to replace the U.S. dollar with the Chinese yuan as a reserve currency, because uh, when a country has that much of a grip on the flow of its currency and they manipulate their currency as much as China does, it's really, really hard to form any sort of 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 of, of consistent system around that currency. You just don't feel safe doing it. However, where the United States 
uh, is a little bit too overbearing is when it comes to things like what they consider to be human rights. So uh, a lot of countries don't want to do much business with the United States because they're tired of the U.S. government using money as a way to control your politics. Right. Both China and the United States use money to manipulate you politically. Don't get me wrong. But the United States is sort of like one of those countries that says, OK, we'll we'll, we'll invest in your country, but uh, we don't like your gay rights bill. Right. We, we think that you have to be gay like us and do what we tell you to do, Uganda. And if you don't do what we tell you to do, then that means you're a bad person. And because you're bad, you're bad people. That means we're going to take your money away. So a lot of countries are moving away from the U.S. dollar and, and away from just doing business with the United States or turning to China as an alternative because China does respect national sovereignty. China respects the idea that, look, every country ain't like us. Every country doesn't believe the same things we believe. And it's their right to believe whatever they want to believe. And the United States is the only country that steps in and says, well, no, you must be like us because we're Europeans and we're used to telling everybody what to do. And we believe that we are second to God and we have the right to tell you what it means to be a good person and a bad person. And that's why a lot of countries are abandoning the dollar, abandoning trade with the U.S. They're doing everything that they can to get away from involvement with the United States because they're like, good Lord, every time they give you give us a dollar, you're trying to tell us what to do. And we don't want, we don't want all that. We don't need your interference. Uh, I'm in Hawaii right now. And I was reading the history of Hawaii. I went to a luau last night and I was reading the history of Hawaii. And I was really stunned by how the United States literally just stepped over here and just kind of took Hawaii. They just kind of took Hawaii. They just kind of came over and were like, we want this country. There was a queen, uh, Queen Lula Kalana or something like that in the late 19th century who was like, no, you can't have our, have our, have our sovereign territory. And they said, okay, well, we're going to dethrone you and pretty much take your island and take its resources. And then, and, you know, a hundred years later, you'll be doing luau's and, and, and native dances and telling people about your culture, but we're going to control all of that. We're going to control the revenue that comes from the tourism and all this other stuff, because we see what you got and we want it. So the United States kind of has always had that very uh, aggressive territorialist mindset, whereas China's also territorial. Mark my words. I mean, don't get me wrong. They are gangsters, hell, but they're kind of more, they're a little more, a little more slick with it. And they're not quite as quick to pull out a gun on you as they are to uh, use their economic power to uh, to sort of slide in and gain control. They're kind of like the shady record executive that'll get you to sign a, a record deal. And next thing you know, you're like new edition. You got to make albums for this record label for the next 30 years, you know, and, and then you got a dollar 95 to show for it. But anyway, let's keep going. Uh, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, uh, the black the stock market training camp went so well that we're actually going to do a black wealth boot camp uh, for stock market uh, stock stock options investing uh, starting next Thursday. So if you'd like to join that, uh, just go to boycewalkins.com and take a look. Uh, we're going to do four weeks on an options masterclass if you'd like to join that. And also, I'll be in Houston on April 21st doing a, a two-day Black Wealth Bootcamp. So if you'd like to join us in Houston, that's also at boycewalkins.com. Just look for Black Wealth Bootcamp schedule, and you can uh, join us there. And I have a new book, of course. It's called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. <clears throat> it is an Amazon bestseller. Uh, it's a book that I believe is really going to help you and your family in terms of making a wealth plan for the next 100 years. I want you to get in the habit of doing what uh, a lot of the powerful Asian countries do, which is making long, long-term plans. People who are good at long-term planning are the ones who have the wealth. 
Uh, most wealth, if you look at wealthy families like the Hunt family that owns the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, their wealth was built over a couple of generations when they bought the Chiefs for almost nothing, for less than what it would cost you to buy a car right now. And then a couple of generations later, they're one of the wealthiest families in America. That's where wealth comes from. And I want you to understand that mindset. So that's what that book's all about. It's called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. Even your children can learn these things. And I guarantee you it'll make a big difference in your legacy. All right. So let me um, let me kind of uh, uh, push this conversation and, and complete it. I, I, we've been talking for 19 minutes. So I'm going to talk a couple more minutes about some of the factors that might <clears throat> come into play in terms of whether or not other countries are going to stick with the um, with the U.S. dollar as their reserve currency. Uh, one of the things I want to show you is a chart. If you're on Instagram, uh, you won't well, you won't see this chart. But on um, but let me see if I can find this uh, freaking chart. Uh, let's see here. Hold on. You know what? I, I don't, I guys, dang it. There, there's a, here we go. Let me, ah, there, there we go. I found it. Okay. Good job, boys. You found, you found the chart. All right. So let me, uh, let me show you all it's for, again, this is for all the people that are worried that the U S dollar is just dying and going straight to hell. And it's going to be worth like, you know, less than a nickel in, in, in a couple of weeks. Um, here's a chart that shows you very clearly that the value of the U.S. dollar has been going up. Um, if you go back 2011, it was much, much lower in value than it is right now. The trend has been consistently upward. Um, and so, you know, when you hear people say, oh, the dollar is just dying and it's going to disappear and blah, blah, blah. There are fundamental concerns. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying that the dollar is the strongest thing in the world. I hate what the Federal Reserve has been doing in terms of uh, causing the inflation problem that, that we have. That, that could have been easily avoided. Um, I also uh, hate the way they have um, allowed the U.S. national debt to get out of control. Uh, those are two fact factors that are definitely going to play a part. But you can see here clearly on this chart, this is from Charles Schwab, that the, the you know, that the U.S. dollar isn't going anywhere. Um, here's uh, here's another measuring stick of U.S. dollars versus a broad uh, dollar index in emerging markets. OK, you can scroll down a little further. Uh, the dollar has moved higher as interest rates have risen. So you can see here uh, the U.S. dollar is the blue and the blue is, is going up, up, up uh, as interest rates go up. And uh, also uh, foreign holdings of U.S. treasuries have gone up. Right. So ultimately, uh, when you're talking about um, when you're talking about the dollar sort of disappearing and everything else, uh, the question I ask you is, you know, where's where's the evidence to show that the U.S. dollar is just sort of, you know, falling apart and going straight to hell? Um, now, one of the things that I will tell you, though, is that there is something to be said about, you know, things like, you know, holding gold and other currencies in order to and even crypto, even Bitcoin has become kind of a hedge against the U.S. dollar. And uh, you know what? And let me just tell you this. Um, that's not a bad idea because all you're basically doing is you're diversifying. You know, that's it. That's it. I mean, diversification is the key to, you know, to almost anything, any type of investing. You, you never want to put all your eggs in one basket. So so the idea of diversification is nothing new. That's something you should do by default as an investor. You should never rely on any one particular asset anyway. So the U.S. dollar is um, it, it's not something that's that's sort of like an inch away from falling straight to hell. Uh, believe it or not, the U.S. dollar is pretty strong. And uh, and, and in fact, the uh, one of the things that does uh, sort of make 
uh, a dollar, the dollar so strong is number one, there's a ton of capital inflow into the United States. Everybody wants to invest in the United States. Everybody wants to put money in our stock market. People want to buy real estate in the United States. And part of that is because capitalism opens the door for free flowing capital. It allows money to sort of flow back and forth very easily. So a lot of countries love to invest in the United States. Uh, also, um, increased interest rates, uh, that does increase the value of the dollar. Uh, and, and also the U.S. dollar is kind of seen as a safe haven, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, of, of currency. So and, and then the other piece here, too, is that the U.S. dollar is very liquid. It can flow very easily between countries because so many countries are used to using it. And the U.S. bond market is a very strong liquid market. So some of the strengths of the United States financially are that we have some of the best financial markets on the planet. Now, again, this does not mean that something can't go wrong. This does not mean that things are not going to change. This does not mean that there aren't any concerns. What this means is that anybody who's constantly spewing alarmist rhetoric that's causing you to, to sort of operate out of fear is probably just sort of, you know, manipulating you and creating excitement. Like that's sort of what they do. That's what the media does. The media... Uh, is built on, they have that whole saying that says, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Which is like, if they, if they have something, some headline that will scare you, they're going to put that as, as the headline, uh, you know, of the day. And I just kind of encourage you to not operate out of fear. I, again, I, anybody who disagrees, I'm not saying that you're completely wrong. I'm not saying that the concerns are not valid. I'm not saying that there aren't countries that are conspiring daily to try to do what they can to dethrone the U.S. dollar. I'm just saying that to this point, they haven't been able to do that. And a part of it is because of the way they run their economies. Countries like China that have a strong set of controls over how the money flows, uh, it, they're, they're sort of saying, hey, get rid of the dollar because we're a better option. But really what you're doing is you're kind of giving China a ton of power to control your currency to, and to decide uh, what's going to happen inside your country. So um, the other, uh, you know, other a few things, if, the, if, the, if these BRIC countries, uh, mainly Brazil, Russia, India, China, and then you throw in South Africa, were to uh, get rid of the dollar, a few things that might happen are you, are you would see a reduced value in the dollar for sure. This could happen long term. Uh, you would see a, a shift in global reserve currencies. Right now, uh, the United States is, is an overwhelming dominator in the global reserve currencies. These are just sort of extra reserves that countries keep in case of economic emergencies. Uh, they keep other currencies just for diversification purposes, but right now nothing matches the dollar. Uh, interest rates uh, would, 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 uh, would increase naturally if these countries didn't want uh, didn't want uh, to hold dollars, so that would make it tougher for the U.S. government to borrow money. That is a risk factor because the United States government borrows way too much money. Uh, you would have a lot more volatility in the currency. <clears throat> that would be a problem, too, because a lot of countries struggle with that. They have currencies that are going up and down, up and down, up and down. So they turn to the dollar as a safe haven because it's more stable. So the U.S. dollar is kind of like what Apple is for the stock market, just this sort of safe ship to put your money, to lock your money into that doesn't have as much volatility. But but I think oh, long term, I think bad economic policy could catch up with with our country. Uh, it, uh, you could see changes in global trade. You know, you can see countries that uh, that are not oriented toward the dollar. Uh, they may decide that they want to trade in their own currencies, which I think is actually good for those countries in terms of helping them to get stronger. Uh, you can have some geopolitical problems that can result from this. Uh, you know, the United States is serious about that money and they have a very big military. And if countries decided to just go in their own direction, <clears throat> don't be surprised if they end up declaring war on somebody and they're going to make you think it's all about like protecting freedom when really it's all about protecting money. Most wars have been about that dollar bill. 
Don't let anybody tell you different. Okay, money is always the motive when you talk about actions of a capitalist society. Uh, and then uh, you know, and then and then there'll be some other things kind of happening as a result of that. So these things are uh, possible. These things can certainly happen. I, I'm not saying again. I want to make it clear. I'm not saying that anybody who's concerned is wrong. And go. So I don't want to start that fight. I'm just saying, you know, let's stop with all the panic. You know, let's stop with all with assuming everything is a conspiracy theory. You know, uh, like Domain mentions um, the, the the killing of the Cash App founder. You know, I don't know if y'all saw that where the Cash App guy got killed in San Francisco. We instantly jump to conspiracy theory, and then instantly there's a headline being shared that the U.S. government is creating their own uh, cash app system, and and it's uh, they killed him because they wanted to create their own system. I'm not saying that's not possible. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, in fact, uh, in fact, actually, let me just let me be a conspiracy theorist with you for a minute. There have been a lot of crypto founders who have been mysteriously killed uh, in the last like year or so. Since crypto has plummeted, a lot of these people have been sleeping with the fishes. Right. That's totally valid, legitimate. That is certainly happening. Right. Without a doubt. Um, but I don't make the instant assumption that the government killed them. I don't. I, I'd make the assumption that there are crypto investors who are underground gangsters who will come for that ass if you lose their money. Um, I'm guessing that Sam Bankman Freed from FTX the founder of FTX has to watch his back because uh, crypto is a wonderful place to launder your money. It's a great place to invest. It's a, it's a, it's a currency of the future. I'm a big investor in Bitcoin and Ethereum and all that. But let's just be clear. There's a lot of money being laundered there. There's a lot of currency manipulation happening there. So if you are some you know drug cartel uh, leader in Mexico and you put um, you know, half a billion dollars of your money in in Bitcoin or, or crypto and you got your money at FTX and then suddenly FTX says, oh, sorry, we lost your money. Well, some people don't take that so lightly. Some people don't sit back and cry <laughs> when their money gets lost. Some people say, oh, let me go find the dude who has my money and he's going to pay a price for that. So I really believe that some of these crypto deaths are basically uh, being, you know, people, people that are paying a price for the fact that they lost the money of somebody who really wanted their money back uh, again. But it doesn't take the government off the equation. We know the U.S. government. They're some of the biggest gangsters of all time. Uh, I, I just told you all I'm, I'm in Hawaii and I just read the whole history of how Hawaii pretty much just got taken by the government. They literally came over and just dethroned the queen and took the island and now everything is living happily ever after there you re, re you re-educate and re-indoctrinate the people make them forget the history so that they'll forget the fact that that they that you that you basically stole their island right so so these things do happen but i think that jumping to conspiracy theories um is a little bit um i, I think we can work a little bit harder intellectually to sort of say well what are all the possibilities here instead of always just instantly assuming the worst uh, so um, anyway, uh, that that's that's my two cents. Uh, now somebody asked about precious metals. Yeah, I, I believe in investing in precious metals. I do that. I think you again, but I do it for diversification purposes, not because I believe that the uh, world is coming to an end. Right. So those are two different reasons to invest in gold or whatever. You know, there's some people who think that the world's coming to an end. 
I don't think the world's coming to an end. I believe that there's nothing special about 2023 that makes it different from all the risks and threats. A lot of the risks and threats we had in 2003 or 1983 or 1963 or 1943 or 1923 or 1903, right? The, the risks and the threats will always be there. And there's nothing to say that now is that time where the whole U.S. economy is going to collapse and disappear when it's never happened in the whole history of the United States. There's no time in American history you can go to where the stock market went down and did not eventually recover. Do you, don't, do you understand how many people during the Great Depression thought that this was the end? Oh, my God, there is no future for the United States. It's by 1930, it's 1931. By 1939, the whole system's going to collapse. It's going to be gone. Oh, my God, because that's way off in the future. It's so futuristic. 1939 is the future. No, that's not the future. That's the past. That's, that's not the future. That's the past. That's a long time ago. We survived 1939 and beyond. Well, the same thing happens when you're living in 2023 and you think you, you really think 2030 and 2035 are such a big deal. Oh, my God, the world's going to change. AI will be here. The dollar's going to collapse. The economy is going to fall apart. <gasps> no, there are people in the year 2105 who are laughing at you. Who are reading what you're writing and looking, watching videos and listening to what you were saying 100 years ago. And they're like, oh, my God, those people back in 2023 really thought the world was going to come to an end. <laughs> they, they really thought they really thought there's something special and unique about their era that made it different from all the other eras. When the reality is that you're just living on the train of humanity like everybody else. Your time has come. It will go. You will die and the world will move on and it's going to be a different world. We know this, but nobody can really say exactly what that world's going to look like. But I encourage you to still pay attention because things like AI are going to change how the world operates. OK, so speaking of that, um, I did put together a list of AI stocks that I really like companies I'm invested in because I want to be a part of that future. I want to own stock in companies that are going to benefit from AI. So I made that list. You can have it for free. Just go to voicewatkins.com. Uh, that's my website. Also, uh, I want to remind you that if you have children and you want your kids to become economically smart, uh, we have financial workbooks for kids. You can go to financialworkbooks.com. The URL is right there on the screen, financialworkbooks.com. So I'm going to get out of here, guys. I'm about to go run with my wife and uh, health as well. So I'm going to stay healthy. Um, don't forget my new book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. It's available on Amazon. It is a bestseller right now. And I want to appreciate, I want to say thank you for supporting the book. Uh, also, if you get the book, if you could, please leave a review. Um, I would say order it from me or directly on my website, but you don't have to do that. Uh, in fact, um, in fact, it's easier on Amazon because they'll get the book to you in a day or so. My team might take about five days. So uh, so if you want it quickly, just go to Amazon and get it. I don't mind them sharing the money. This isn't about the money. It's about the message. So um, uh, feel free to take a look. I know you're going to like it. The reviews are very, very strong. So it's called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. And you can go find it right now on Amazon. So God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thank you all for listening. I hope this conversation was helpful to you. And I'll check back in with you a little bit later. So, uh, so be strong, uh, be smart, and don't let conspiracy theories just scare you out of investing. Just keep it moving. It's going to be okay. Talk to you soon. Peace.